0: green keto have you ever heard of it well it's not vegan vegetarian keto although she talks about how to do that so check it out but what about alkalinity when should you be alkaline when should you be acid how to achieve it well this is a great interview because we talk about the aspect of alkalinity on how that affects your hormones inability to perhaps get into ketosis burn fat and how she transformed her life as a general surgeon uh, with green keto Uh, this is a great interview check it out
1: hello everyone welcome to cellular healing tv i'm ashley smith and today we welcome back the girlfriend doctor dr anna Kabecka. you may remember her from episode 262 and Anna, Dr. Anna is here to discuss her Keto Green Way, which focuses on ketogenic eating paired with an alkaline diet and intermittent fasting. Her Keto Green method naturally manages your body's most important hormones, and if followed properly, will help address and correct the symptoms and side effects that come along with imbalanced hormones. I can't wait to get started, so let's welcome Dr. Anna Kabeka and Dr. Papa to the show. Welcome, both of you. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're back, so you, you know you do something right when you get back on uh, Cell TV. Um, but uh, no, this is a big topic. I mean, that's why, right? I mean, one of the big myths is uh, you know women have struggle in keto. I've even heard women shouldn't do keto. I've heard women shouldn't fast. Um, and yet, you're saying it's part of the answer for the hormone problems. So, you know, exactly, so, it's essential. Yeah. We, we have to bring some uh, more things. You know, one of the things you do so well, too, is uh, you really, you know, make things very, very simple. And, um, you know, that's what you've done. And your new book coming out does the same thing. So thank you for that. Um, and you and I talk about a lot of the same strategies for women. And we both say the same thing. These strategies are more important even for women than men. However, Um, they work for men too, to take it to a whole nother level of effectiveness. So anyways, let's, let's, uh, you know, dig, dig right in, right? Um, let you know, give us your story first, um, in case people hadn't watched the first one, you know, how, how did you get into this?
2: yeah the trials and tribulations for sure right yeah. I think just definitely a a long a long road and it was i was thirty nine years old and i here I was trained i would say at one of the best institutions in the nation at Emory University in Gynecology and obstetrics, a hormone expert and yet at thirty nine I was struggling with early menopause and infertility, and i you know I'd failed the highest doses of infertility meds, and I was told the only way that i'd ever be able to have another child was egg donation which wasn't an option for us at the time and so that like you know here i was you know, helping so many others get pregnant work on hormones dialing it in and my doctor's bag was empty that you know was devastation amidst devastation for me and it took me on a journey around the world learning from indigenous healers from Native American shaman to Andean philosophers, to a Brazilian medicine man and an Indonesian healer, as well as some of the world's most leading, you know, scientists and, and physicians. So as a result, I reversed the diagnosis of early menopause and infertility. Uh, conceived naturally a beautiful, healthy girl at age forty one and so now i 'm fifty three with a twelve year old and it 's been it 's been a journey
0: <laughs> yeah no, so what about the keto i mean um, how was that part of that journey
2: well that 's when you know definitely worked on the first part the first leg and and certainly carb restriction right that component, and that worked really well, and especially again alkalinizing, focusing on alkalinizing detoxifying hormone balancing food. And um, when I hit 48, I cycled back, I was starting to cycle back down. Here I was at that point, a single mom, struggling, one daughter in the wee early years of elementary school, one in middle school, and another daughter in high school. And let me tell you, at 48, the brain fog was hitting, the memory loss, I was really stressed, and uh, a sole provider for my family, and struggling with burnout from work, from my practice. And I experienced what so many of our patients come in and complain about. They come in and say, Dr. Anna, I'm gaining 5, 10, 20 pounds and I'm not doing anything different. And, you know, Dan, I know you're more sympathetic than me. I was like, really, you're not, you know, thinking in my head, like, really? How is gluttons. that possible? Just
0: lazy, they're not exercising enough and they're gluttons, right? I mean, that's right. t-
2: Oh, I bet if I look in her purse, there's a Snickers bar and I'm going to share it with her. No, <laughs> I was like, what's the situation? But then it happened to me, 20 pounds overnight without doing anything different. And at one point, I'd been well over 240 pounds, always had struggled with my weight and kept it off for nearly a decade. So without doing anything different, gained that 20 pounds overnight. And, and so that's where keto came in. I totally restricted carbs for anyone listening that lost a significant amount of weight. And you st- the scale starts creeping up. And you're like, oh, my God, for me, I was, it won't stop till I'm 300 pounds because it doesn't make sense. And uh, so I've really restricted carbs, but I experienced what I call keto crazy. So not just, not keto flu, that wasn't part of it. It was keto crazy. I was more irritable, more on edge, I was reactive. So I reacted instead of responded. And, um, And that was, I needed to understand like what's happening to my neurotransmitters this way because with my first book, The Hormone Fix, this is where I really say it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. Because my reproductive hormones were dialed in, but there's more to it. And as I, you know, uh, looked as I looked into the um, what was happening to my body, and, and and with this keto approach, I recognized I was really acidic. So checking urine pH was a aha moment for me as I saw where I'm going. As I saw. You know, I was so acidic on urine pH testing. And that was an aha moment. I would I recognized no wonder I feel out of sorts, no wonder I feel more irritated, no wonder, right? And so then I just started the low carbohydrate alkalinizers, the cruciferous vegetables for hormone balance and detoxification. And with that, checking my urine pH every time I went to the bathroom. I recognize that the mornings I walked on the beach or I did my gratitude journaling, I was more alkaline all day. So hence, it's, it's not just about what we eat, it's about maybe who we're eating with or when we're eating and, you know, and also what we eat ate. So all those things. So, of, I mean, tell us, have... I,
0: I know you discussed this in in your book, but tell us a little bit more about, you know, I mean, what, when does someone measure their uh, pH, right? And I, look, I, I work with very toxic people and uh, I could have them eat, you know, just veggies all day long and they're still acid because of toxins. How does that play in as well? Because diet and toxins play a role, but first start with how you measure it. What do you look for?
2: Yeah, so very simple measuring urine pH. I always tell clients it's not about blood pH. When we're talking blood pH, we're actually talking arterial blood gas pH, arterial blood pH. And when we are measuring that, it is it so finely controlled, right? Our ba- our body keeps it so finely controlled. And but our urine pH will adjust. You know, it's like a, a, a th- you know a thermometer for us, a good indicator, a biomarker. To let us know how we're interacting with our mind, mm-hmm. our nutrition, you know, the, our environment, yeah. and this is where I tell clients, you know, you do your Nancy Drew detective work, you know, maybe Hardy Boy detective work, I don't know, Nancy Drew detective work, and that you really have to look at these clues. What is your body telling you? I, I say initially starting, especially if you're acidic, check every time you use the bathroom. I mean, urine pH paper strips cost pennies. And so check each time you use the bathroom and identify like certain times we want to be acidic after a, a strong workout.
0: No, absolutely. I, I want to point that out to people. And, and typically first thing in the morning you're acidic because you dumped a lot of waste at night, right? So kind of take people through that.
2: Well, too, and then when we can wake up alkaline because maybe we had restorative you know, sleep overnight and then maybe we need additional minerals overnight if we continue to wake up acidic. But again, dehydration can, can be a reason too that where our urine pH is low and that's where I really have clients. I want them to wake up, you know, at least with a urine pH of seven, it's totally possible and go to sleep in that alkaline range and let our body do the work. So things like, you know, eating enough nutrients, micronutrients, macronutrients, certainly, but especially micronutrients, methylators, the dark green leafies, the cruciferous vegetables and fermented foods, all of those digestive foods, all of that helps us absorb our nutrients better. And that helps with alkalinity. The other things, toxins, hormone disruptors, if we're not getting alkaline and we're eating this perfect diet, right? I have so many vegans and vegetarians, like you said, you know, like they are sometimes have a really hard time getting Alkaline often too, because they're, you know, high glycemic foods, high amount of carbs and sugar will increase acidity, even if they're amazing, healthy foods. So being, and that's where fasting really comes in, but that's being aware of that makes a difference. Mold toxicity, food sensitivities. I can be alkaline, 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 and some dairy get into a piece of cheese or dairy get into my food and lo and behold, I'm acidic right away. That you know, so
0: what what are some of the you know times a day that you want people to measure? And, um, what's the you said you mentioned you know seven is that your number? Kind of give some of that instruction,
2: yeah. So, looking at seven as neutral, but that's you know, anything of seven and above, I really like to see that to focus on that, to wake up that way, go to sleep that way. But also recognizing that first thing when we wake up in the morning, if we're stressed, dehydrated, cortisol spike, we didn't get a good night's sleep, we may be acidic, but that's where we can figure it out. And then check midday to see how your are you know, after you break fast, how does that affect you and you know later on in the day in the evening and to check before bed so three to four times a day at least because you're just trying to figure it out so
0: typically if you're fasting like a lot of our viewers intermittent fast right so um are you going to typically be more acid or alkaline in the in the fast and what happens after you start eating
2: yeah, typically, when we're fasting, we turn to acidic. And when we push our bodies into ketosis, we really have to fight to stay alkaline and in ketosis at the same time when we're eating. But when we're fasting, we're naturally going to be more acidic. So don't worry about it. Stay hydrated or, you know, we've talked about dry fasting before, you and I, a little bit together, and definitely are going to, you know, get acidic, even with short dry fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. So, you know, that's what I wanted people to hear. So, all right. So then you, you start eating in your window and then what can you expect later?
2: Yeah. I, mean, I, I do want to say this with fasting too, because I've been playing with this a long time and there's the tendency to get acidic, but when you do the oxytocin increasing activities, Again, oxytocin is the most alkalinizing hormone in our body. Oh, Even wow. That's
0: cool. I didn't, I didn't know that, but I love the oxytocin increasing activities. Every time my puppy comes up to me, I get an oxytocin boost.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So test during your next fast and, you know, waking up acidic that's and fun. then just playing yeah. and, and see what happens. And see what happens. Laughter, watching a good movie, you know, I can I can list a hundred to suggest. <laughs> good, funny movies, having great conversation, laughter, relaxation, and watch that shift in your urine pH too. And I think that's where also these meditated, meditative practices, these alkalinizing practices, that I call them alkalinizing practices like meditation um heart math heart rate variability increasing your heart rate variability how these activities help increase your alkalinity how cool is that right
0: Mm -hmm. so i mean i've had many uh doctors say hey being um alkaline stuck in alkalinities all the time and i know dr Sabre talks about that as one of the signs of certain cancers too so um you know where how do we find this balance
2: i think I think it really comes with knowing really knowing yourself knowing what you're doing and how you feel this is where discernment comes in just like anything there's the the you know what gets measured gets managed so mostly it's the opposite and if we are like if we have for whatever reason some physiologic defect that we're you know super alkalinized which i've you know that's a rarity yeah that's like
0: that's kind of like this weird end stage thing that can happen you know and Um, It's 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 a very odd thing, you know. I mean, so you see these oddities on either end, you know. So yeah,
2: yeah. But mostly, what we see and what we know from the research with alkaline, more of an alkaline urine pH, urine pH of seven or better. The higher the urine pH, the decreased risk of diabetes, hypertension cancer osteoporosis and um, any of the inflammatory symptoms so it's a nice detective marker yeah. to figure to help us figure out okay what am I doing right right what am I doing wrong I had a patient a Recently, 67-year-old woman, and she's been working with me in my online programs, Magic Menopause, for a couple of years now. And so, at the onset of quarantine, she had uh, an appointment with me, and she goes, "Dr. Ann, I've been so stressed." She goes, "I've been, I've been doing everything right. I've been alkaline for you know a year now, and you know really monitoring that, and everything, everything I've eaten, et cetera, just hasn't shifted my urine pH. I'm still acidic." She goes, but I had my, you know, I've been isolated with my husband of 40 years and like, we don't know who's going to, you know, what's going to kill us, coronavirus or each other. But she said, um, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. And so she said, I've been, I, I'm missing my daughter and my grandson. I hadn't been able to see him. So that was an added stress. And she said, well, he turned to the other day and my daughter set up this, you know, a Skype call with my grandson to celebrate his birthday. And I could see him eat his cake and open the present I sent him. And, and I just laughed for an hour, she said, and she goes, Dr. Ann, I couldn't wait. The next time I used the bathroom, I had to check my urine pH. And it was a, a beautiful alkaline at that point. Power of oxytocin. Oxytocin.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I, I, you know, really, I don't think I've heard that before, and it makes total sense. All right, in your book, you talk about the critical window of opportunity theory. What is it, and what does it mean?
2: Well, I definitely believe, like, in this time, and this is why getting keto fasting, getting keto green, keto alkaline is critical for women in this perimenopause. And beyond stage because we enter this period of neuroendocrine vulnerability. This is, you know, again, through my experience where I learned and had to find the research. And 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 there is looking at, you know, why was I experiencing the brain fog? Why was and I talk about the 13 hormones of, of weight gain, certainly, but the brain fog, the memory loss. And that's pretty scary when you rely on your memory for everything, right? And so I um and, and and I was certainly troubled by that. And what happens is during this period of neuroendocrine vulnerability, and it looks like between the ages of 35 to 55, it's this perimenopausal window, that there is a steep decline in the brain's ability to use glucose for fuel. And this was such an aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. Why when I went keto green, keto alkaline, I had this clarity, I had this, you know, the brain fog lifted, my memory improved dramatically and I just felt this, I call it energized enlightenment, getting into ketosis and getting alkaline at the same time, that's my energized enlightenment formula. And so here in that window, our brain's actually starving for fuel because gluconeogenesis in the brain is an estrogen dependent phenomenon. Now what happens? My patients come into the gynecologist, come in to see me, because of anxiety, PMS, irritability, difficulty sleeping, irregular menstrual cycles, breakthrough ple- bleeding, heavier than normal periods. So we are, you know, the standard medical approach is here's the birth control pill, here's the SSRI, Prozac, yeah. Alexa, Zoloft, and well, if that's not working, here's the hysterectomy and when the patient comes back and says, I'm still having issues. Here's the referral to the psychiatrist and divorce attorney. <laughs> so. It, it's, it's, it's sad, but when we can shift, and this is what I recognize in my practice, I mean, I'm a surgeon by training. When I understood what happened to me in, in healing these physiologic changes, I went from doing two to three, empowering, I'm gonna say, not me healing, empowering my patient to heal her physiology. I went from doing, needing to do two to three surgeries per week to two to three major surgeries per year. That's how powerful our body can Absolutely. regenerate. So the, the, I say the uterus is a victim of hormonal imbalance and inflammation. Wow. But this, this neuroendocrine time, and they're talking about also estrogen, estrogen dependent. But the decline, when we look at the graph of glucose utilization in the brain, it really follows the progesterone decline. Of course, progesterone is the precursor to cortisol, to our sex steroids. And progesterone is neuroprotective. We know it is. So this is why it adds this vulnerable time period. We lose this protective layer of progesterone and we can have emotional swings. Not everyone, but it is significant. These neuroendocrine symptoms are significant, especially for those of us who have had PTSD and or adverse childhood experiences.
0: Wow. Yeah, well, well said. All right let's back up a second I keto I keto green it's back there there's the book we'll put the link of course uh, you know so I, but what does that actually mean uh, you know so we you and I both used it now and we really did say so what does it actually mean and what are the tenets of keto green you know obviously you give those in the book
2: yes yes definitely so like the concept for me of keto is getting into ketosis so that we're using fat for fuel and whether ideally our fat and certainly healthy fats from our diet. But through intermittent fasting, really that's where we really shine in this area to enable for women that's essential to really optimize getting into ketosis. And the al- the green part really was keto alkaline, now termed keto green, but that alkalinity component, that green component is certainly the dark green leafies the alkalinizing vegetables detoxifiers for our hormones and that support for our gut microbiome, everything is significantly, um, uh, you know, formulated for a reason, combined for a reason, but also to check not just just what we eat. And Dan, you know this, the scientific studies show that 93% of diets fail. And we know they fail because it's not just about what we eat. So more of the green, the keto green aspects are those lifestyle things. It's it's the jet. <laughs> jet planes. It's the um, you know the lifestyle thing. So the intermittent fasting, the you know, no more snacking, exercising that insulin sensitivity. All, all of
0: that to your point now we're we'll bring it full circle helps the Alkalinity, you know, naturally, right? Helps your body find that balance naturally, the oxytocin, I mean, all those, you know, things. So the green part is, hey, it's not just high fat, it's not just low carb. Here's the specific greens to focus on, and it helps you more of what that alkalinity balance, which helps the hormones, that that in general. Because some people may read it and think, oh, it's just it is a vegetarian keto or a vegan keto. But not necessarily.
2: Exactly, exactly. It's an omnivore, 16-day omnivore keto plan. There's also a 16-day keto green vegan vegetarian plan. Yeah, so going.
0: I always have to explain that to people. It's like keto can be vegetarian. It can be, mm-hmm. you know, vegan if you wanted it to be. It does people think it's a high protein um, meat thing. It's not paleo, it's not Adkins. You yeah, know, there's a little bit of difference here. <laughs> so
2: Yes. Yeah. And, and again, it's, there's the green component, not just about what we eat, but it's also those lifestyle factors and that. Yeah, makes I think it's
0: huge. Out. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: It's and huge. In your
0: book differentiates from other, you know, keto books in that you're talking about these other lifestyle factors that are really transformative. All right. So you mentioned intermittent fasting, that's kind of a lifestyle thing. You know, it's, you know, time and we, we, you and I, we all do this. I've done it for years what is your eating window that you like you know um, and does that do you like to change it per person with some of your uh, theory here and suggestions
2: yeah so it is i think that whole concept of metabolic flexibility play with what works best for you but it may work best right now but it may not you know we have to change things up i love so it I, yeah,
0: you and i are on the same page with that yeah, yeah.
2: yeah we have to have that flexibility so for keto green 16 it's a 16 hour fasting and 16, 16 days, 16 hour fasting, 16 key food types. So we really play on that great number 16, sweet 16. And um, so 16 hour, but the eating window, I never like the term eating window because we don't want to eat all during that window. We want to break fast. We want to take at least three to four to five hours in between and then eat again. And and that's where, especially for women, because we want to continue to increase that insulin sensitivity. And women have been told for so long, especially three meals, three snacks. And while that may be great for an Olympic athlete, you know, especially a male Olympic athlete, it is not good for the menopausal female. We get more insulin resistant as a result. So breaking that habit of needing snacking and needing to snack is honestly liberating, so.
0: Yeah, Uh, you know, people don't realize, you know, you ask them how many times they eat a day and it's all, oh, three, two, and they're just constantly eating, um, you know, feeding the beast, so to speak, so to speak, because they don't have the ability to burn their own fat as energy.
2: And it it takes us out of willpower, you know, it takes away willpower. Willpower is physiologic. One thing I did, and you'll love this. I don't know if um, my, uh, I've been wearing the twenty four hour. You can't see it here, but the twenty four hour continuous glucose monitor. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, I've done and some so- of that myself. Yeah.
2: I love that. It just helped me. I did it for all the recipes in the book and helped me so much in calculate calculating what, you know, what's happening with blood sugar over time and looking for that flexibility and, and By too. the way,
0: you can see how stress affects, you know, cortisol and adrenaline up, glucose up. You can see that it's not just food that moves that number, right? And then that affects, you know, everything.
2: It's so true. Public speaking, blood sugar goes sky high (laughs) but you know what one of the things that was interesting i want to get your feedback on this too when i started wearing the continuous glucose monitor one thing i found was that when i would drink coffee in the morning my blood sugar would go up 20 30 points and so i could understand then why i could be fasting all night 16 whatever however many hours been in ketosis and then bumped out of ketosis just by black coffee so it's a big caution for women or those that are um that have this reaction that could be coffee could be a culprit in keeping uh
0: this. in my book i talk about how, what test for that because the, the question i got most often is does my coffee work in my fasting window and my my answer was i don't know test it because it is different for everybody so if you test your glucose right before your coffee and 30 minutes after and you rises more than five on average You got to change something, mix the coffee, go to tea, train something, or get rid of the fat in your coffee. Go black. If that doesn't, if you're black and it rises, go fat. I mean, so the point is, is it's not working. When glucose rises, you're not getting that, you're getting knocked out of autophagy. You're not, you're losing that benefit, right? So to your point, you know, it may not be good for you. You either needed to change something or coffee's not good at all. Maybe it was the caffeine, maybe it was something else.
2: So hence the little cup of espresso at the end of a meal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Yeah.
2: That little tweaking can make a huge difference. Right. And, and I, again, contribute, again, is it a food sensitivity? Is it something that could be
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: causing your body, kicking you out of autophagy and how that can make a difference? But it's also fun to experiment, getting up, doing a meditative practice, and then having coffee, still have a spike, but not as high of a spike. Ah, interesting. And I
0: know in your book, you talk about prayer, which, you know, I'm a big fan. Uh, What have you found? Okay, you pray before a meal. Does it really make a difference?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Science has shown that saying grace before a meal increases your um, absorption of nutrients, increases your digestive ability, your digestive enzymes are healthier Mm -hmm. versus when we're stressed. That's why I say it's not often just about what we eat, but maybe who you're eating with (laughs) could be stressing you out.
0: Yeah yeah okay so you know what i'm looking i i can see two of my kids right now that i'm not gonna eat with they're gonna have to eat downstairs now oh, there, you go. <laughs> there
2: you go you just say they're it. The, they're, they're the
0: bickerers, right they do, and they, i'm like you know i i think you know they just like to bicker because it, it like feeds their brain and it, it does the opposite for me stop the bickering you know, anyways, yeah. So, all right. you what about hair loss. One of the big questions I get uh, is I got into keto. I started getting hair loss. I started intermittent fasting. I got, I started getting hair loss. Talk about
2: that. Yeah, yeah. And this is something that I had dealt with personally early on, you know, post-traumatically. Um, a significant amount of hair loss. I had hair loss all the way to here and always had long hair. And then it was just like, ah, oh, tremendous hair loss. Sometimes when I lecture, I share those pictures very humbly. Um, and, and, and recognizing that often clients would come in fearful, right? Here's the, here's the hair that was in the drain, bring it into me. Look at all this hair loss. I know this is, um, uh, you know, an issue. And so, and it's devastating for many of us when we start to experience this and it doesn't have to be this way. And often we do the thyroid workout, work up, and we're like, okay, well, your thyroid, not just normal, it's optimal, and that's how it was for me too, mm-hmm. but stress-induced hair loss is a really biggie, and I think that's one of the components with getting into ketosis that, you know, if we're not doing it right, if we're not balancing cortisol, we can increase cortisol. Cortisol increases testosterone to dihydrotestosterone conversion via five alpha reductase enzyme. And so we can block that conversion. Well, first, let's manage cortisol, right? Let's get that oxytocin up and going. But we can also block that enzyme conversion um, by uh, zinc, for instance, zinc, 50, 60 milligrams of zinc a day can be that You know, thyroid dialed in. But again, cortisol too long is gonna affect your thyroid too. Mm-hmm. But that you know, just to understand what's causing that hair loss, and the other thing is again not having enough micronutrients on board. So my clients who are checking their alkaline urine pH and they are getting alkaline will have an improvement, not just in in a decrease in hair loss, but improvement in in hair quality and luster and volume. Mm,
0: Yeah, great. That's awesome. Uh, Well, well said. Yeah. So you know, obviously, you know, stress in general plays a role. I mean, you know, it's like oxytocin stress, complete opposites here, right? I mean, as you do your little, you know, the oxytocin things that you're recommending, obviously, you help reduce stress. Give us some other clues you can talk about how to reduce stress, because my fear is always that people are watching this going, yeah, my stress, you know, I, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, I, what can I do about it? You know, you know, my husband, my wife, my job, my, my, you know, so what are some of the tips for that? I mean, how do we reduce stress? Obviously, it's a big, huge player here.
2: One of the best advice I ever, I ever received, best piece of advice I've ever received was that you, can, you are the only one who can upset yourself. You're the only one who can upset yourself. You choose how to react. Yeah. So as a discipline and a practice, it's choosing how to react and actually, but even better, how to respond instead of react. And with that, I learned many skills. I had PTSD, significant PTSD after the loss of my son and a tragic accident. So there was that, those flashbacks, the trauma and the grieving and that. So learning to manage the, the thoughts, right? Because it's wow. thought at this time is compartmentalization. And that was a really big thing for me. And remembering the advice that I'm the only one who can upset myself, Ooh. that that was good. <laughs> but then how do I gain how do I gain that physiology of that peace and calm? So compartmentalization was a skill that I learned. And by that I mean when these thoughts would come up and want to like suck me in all throughout the day, I started to recognize and say, "Okay, from 8 to 8.15, that's my time to deal with this, to Mm -hmm. get a journal, to write, to just think, to whatever, take a bath, do whatever I need to, and address these thoughts. But as they would come up all throughout the day, I compartmentalized them. I said, I'll get to you at 8 o'clock. And that that was liberating in so many ways. So compartmentalization, honoring those thoughts is very beneficial. And the second part is... is, Uh, you know a, a practice of appreciation you know it's it's more than gratitude it's a, appreciation and and getting into a place of just being able to appreciate the, the what we know to be true for us right now there's always something someone we can appreciate a kindness especially a kindness that's been shown to us that affects our physiology and that appreciation Yeah, decreases cortisol, increases oxytocin, and so we start to shift our physiology little by little. And on a spiritual level, for me, the small little Saint Ignatian, you know, philosophical teachings about the discernment: are these thoughts based on fear or based on love? And is again starting to be a observer, versus you know, you know, an observer and in control of my thoughts versus passively victimized by my thoughts. This was a shift. Is, is, is this a fear-based thought or a love-based thought? And I dealt with it again, Dan, when the quarantine came and, um, you know, or the coronavirus crisis, I had one of my daughters, Amira, she was stud- studying in Holland, in the Netherlands for her third year of college. And, um, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to get her? They're closing the airports. What's happening. I've lost a child. Am I going to lose another one? Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, I'm spiraling. In and and yep. Yeah, and that was okay. What do I know to be true right now? Are these fear-based thoughts or love-based thoughts? And that shifted everything.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's great. I, you know, and again, I, uh, an authority, you know, on the subject, you know, like you said, it's like, you yeah. know, You've been there. That's a great strategy, and you know what I love about that strategy is it's it's so absolutely real and usable, right? You know, people answer the question oftentimes, and it's like, yeah, great. I, I, you know, but then no one can actually do that. That's so easy to implement, and it's it's so effective, right? We can only upset ourselves in that yeah. categorizing that and asking that simple question: where's it coming from? Right? It's like, man, I mean, if we just made that a habit every mm-hmm. time. You know, I mean, how much better would we be? We'd take years off our life.
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and for me, it, it well, absolutely-
0: put, put years back on our life. <laughs> I I'm dyslexic, yeah. by the way, I flip everything. I, and my <laughs> brain just automatically flips it. It's my odd view of the world. <laughs>
2: I'm agreeing.
0: <laughs> you know, because your brain probably heard it correctly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I flipped it right back.
0: <laughs> exactly, true. You know, uh, one of the things, that people struggle with is getting the greens in right so you know admittedly right i i prefer fats i do than vegetables right so smoothies are a way for me my wife on the other hand exact opposite you can watch what we eat on the plate right i'll i'll go right for the fatty meat she goes right for the green vegetable okay my green vegetables last thing off my plate you know i just eat it so you know absolute opposites right so she cracks up at me because I I love to put my greens in a in a blender. <laughs> this is what I do, uh, you know. So I just prefer. You have the keto green smoothie, and you say, "Hey, if you started, you know, this being your first meal, you know, start." I don't want to say start your day with it necessarily, but your first right meal.
2: Right mm-hmm. um, Yeah, you
0: know, talk about it. I I know the whole ingredients are in your book. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. You know, and I I love that concept of like, you know, the sneaky chef, like you're having to sneak greens into you some way or another. (laughs) And I think about that for kids. I was interviewed on a TV show earlier today for the news station locally. And they were saying, well, how do you get your kids to eat greens and stuff? Well, what if they don't? It's like, you know, you blend them into the spaghetti sauce. You make awesome smoothies. My daughter didn't know that she was, she thought she was getting strawberry smoothies. A thin slice of beet into her green smoothies (laughs) made it look like a strawberry smoothie for the longest time. And so, you know, and, and I have actually, I was making a smoothie for the, um, for the show that I was on to, you know, just even just sharing what greens you have, you know, just like a hand. I mean, what's, in
0: the, uh, what's in the bowl?
2: Yeah, so I've got good stuff. So I've got some spinach and arugula, you know, but whatever greens you have in the fridge. And, and
0: it's the, uh, that out. amount is something you'd add to the smoothie?
2: Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. So like I had, it was ice and there's a slice of ginger in here. Ginger is such a good digestive food.
0: Yeah.
2: That it's important for digestion. So. Yeah, we just like slip those in there, do this with getting it all over the place. So amazing, Ginger. You use like half an avocado, which or a quarter to a half avocado, healthy fats or MCT oil or full fat coconut. Right.
0: So you're getting some good quality fats. You, they're, fat, that fiber, of ginger. and then
2: good quality protein. So you could use nuts or seeds or keto green protein powder and mm-hmm. add extra greens if you want. But, um, so that's just easy, that's perfect. So you want fat, fiber, and protein. Fat, yeah, fiber, yeah. and protein. And so important, especially for women, that fiber with the fat, so that we, our blood sugar stays stable, so they're not getting that peak and valley that's gonna create cravings and hunger and a decrease in willpower. Yeah,
0: you know, and I, I love that um, for my first meal because it's just, it's quick. You know i am busy in the day that's why it's easy. it's easier for me not to eat all day uh, than to eat but you know oftentimes when i'm you know purposely eating boom i'm in and out with it right it's like so I, I love that you know it makes it so much easier then dinner time i can sit down with the family and uh you know have a little a little bit larger uh, slower meal
2: how often are you fasting now what have you eased into
0: well i mean it depends on what kind of fasting right so i mean if i do i do four uh longer fasts, five day fast um a year but i would say two or partial fast two or pure water um mm-hmm. and you know that's an average uh and then you know i probably a week i probably get two or three days where i just eat one meal you know and and it's never planned i i just I have busy days and it's just easier for me, you know, honestly, just, you know, not to eat and, you know, so it just happens. Um, But I also pick at least one, maybe two days where I feast. I purposely eat more. And honestly, the feast days for me are oftentimes more important. Um, You know, obviously, you know, keeping it healthy, but I I just, you know, I I mix it up like that and it's magic um, for me. And and again, Saturday is typically that day. Um, I'll get up, I'll eat earlier. Um, and then i 'll have another you know meal or i 'll just do two um, meals of more carbohydrates um, maybe even i 'll even do high protein days, so I mix it up a lot like that
2: and I think that's exactly necessary. i mean it 's so necessary that metabolic flexibility it's yeah. absolutely so necessary yeah but- the, you have
0: to keep the body guessing you know i mean if the big mistake that you know, I know you see it too is people oh, low carb works and then they get low carb low carb look then the body thinks it's starving wants to hold on to fat you know you can you know really screw the metabolic flexibility up you know you you have to fool the body you know so and you talk about that mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and and that's where i think too for clients it's, it's it's so important to you know we say what gets measured gets managed so looking at looking at markers of health and that goes beyond your waist size, dress size. It really is looking mm-hmm. at your hemoglobin A1C, your inflammatory markers, and, and other other key markers that when we're able to just see improvements in that really helps us long-term stay the course too.
0: What are your favorite blood markers, you know, being a physician? You know, you mentioned the, the A1C, which is kind of looking at glucose, you know, over a few months as opposed to the spot shot. But what are, and by the way, that's, that's a big predictor um, of inflammation, right? But what are some of your other ones?
2: So, well, definitely hemoglobin A1C. And we see that huge shift really quickly with this approach. And the second is HSCRP, highly sensitive, or cardio C-reactive protein. Uh, yeah. So that too, because we can see that those shifts early on and, and, and you know, monitor, and we can monitor pretty quickly an improvement. And so that's another one as a sensitive, more sensitive marker of inflammation, and then DHEA. Yes, so a marker of our adrenal. So DHEA sulfate in the blood, and where I like to look at that because it also lets me know kind of adrenal reserve and resilience. The higher, healthier DHEA we have that we are naturally producing, the more resilient we are. And I find that I find that to be true. I'd really like to see some it's great. That's great studies.
0: advice. Yeah. Yep.
2: And then the fourth one that I love is vitamin D25 hydroxy. It has broken my heart so many times to treat a, a, a cancer patient who's been through chemo radiation. And I look at their, this, these markers and their vitamin D levels, eight, nine, 10. It makes me want to cry. Like if, you know, so watch. unnecessary.
0: That's why it makes you want to cry, right? And it's such a big deal. It's a pro hormone, it's immune system, it's everything. Yeah. yeah.
2: So even just those four markers, I think that we can just follow those four markers and watch those improvements Mm -hmm. and we can see it quickly. We don't, in in hemoglobin A1C, it's a myth that we have to wait two months. I mean, we've seen improvements in one month with the hemoglobin A1C, like from six to 5.4. I mean, just tremendous improvements when we make these shifts and and that for you know for so many especially for me i mean my hemoglobin a1c at one time over a decade ago was 5.7 it's 4.8 now i'm 53 with a 12 year actually we have seven seven females in this house right now so and that's pretty good <laughs>
0: that, that's pretty good
2: yeah
0: <laughs> that's pretty good so all right yeah i mean by the way everyone listening ask your doctor for those those are very typical tests well i mean sometimes they just run the regular crp but the Highly sensitive one, you'd have to ask them for DHEA wouldn't typically be run, but you know that's not it's not hard to run. Um, You know insurance typically would pay for that. Uh, The H H one c that's that's easy. I mean you know good doctors run that. Um, Which one did I miss? Oh, vitamin D.
2: Vitamin D.
0: That's easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vitamin D. There's the four. Ask your doctor to run them. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I love that. I love those too, by the way, right? Have a lot of blood markers, they're too transient, you know, up and down with those ones, you know, those are, that's great, great advice. Just general, you know, looking at health. Uh, you know, it's a funny thing because um, when I'm into ketosis, my particle numbers of cholesterol actually rise, which particle numbers, I don't care about total cholesterol. Um, you know, my father always had very high level, total cholesterols and he didn't die of a heart attack. But my particle numbers will rise, which do matter. But all of those numbers that you mentioned get better. Yeah. It's, it's this odd thing. And, and evidently, I'm 20% of the population that uh, the particle numbers rise in ketosis. But here's the th- point though all my inflammatory markers drop, all my glucose numbers drop. So.
2: And do you are you type A are you, as far as the particles you know particle size?
0: Um, yeah, and I look at size energy. too. And ironically enough, my small get rise too. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's like I spent hours because I'm an anomaly. What normally happens in ketosis is those go down, the, the size know. you know get better, you know all that. But I'm the uh, but the opposite. But um, you know I found out that there is this you know group of people who that happens to. But Again, my A1C drops, right? All my inflammatories, my CRP drops, right? Uh, even my triglycerides drop. Ironically, you know, so there's this anomaly with cholesterol, and it, go figure, because my father was had the anomaly of having very—I bar- mean, he ran 360, 400 cholesterol levels, and the doctors, you know, of the—he never did anything about it, but yeah, his his heart, you know, was never an issue, so.
2: Yeah, again, that's where inflammation, if you don't have inflammation, that's, yeah. that's the big, that's the sticky factor, right? Mm-hmm. There's calcifications and yeah. why it's so, you know, why it is so important to look at these markers and just see how, you know, how our lifestyle and nutritional choices really are affecting us. So yeah. beyond any prescription plan, what is effect is it having on me?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Well, Dr. Ariana, I thank you so much for being on the show again. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, you just, I, I love it. I love your approach. You know, obviously, our approach is, appreciate- yeah, we reflect one another. So, uh, and I think, hey, I'm going to be on your show evidently um, coming up. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That. Good
2: to be on my girlfriend doctor podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, I love it. I love the topics. But uh, hey, get her book, folks. Uh, just an incredible incredible, um, resource of knowledge, especially around this approach and, uh, not just another keto book. I uh, will, we'll say that. So thank you again for being on Cellular Healing TV.
2: Thank you.
1: Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, which was brought to you by Fastonic Molecular Hydrogen. Please check it out at getfastonic.com. We'll be back next week and every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We truly appreciate your support. You can always find us at cellularhealing.tv. And please remember to spread the love by liking, subscribing, giving an iTunes review, or sharing the show with anyone who may benefit from the information heard here. And as always, thanks for listening.